Good morning, and what a fine, fine morning it is. You're you're up uh, in uh, the top of New South Wales, aren't you? Yes, I am. Northern New South Wales. God's country. It's Well, it would be God's country if I surfed, but I don't Uh, actually surf. Have you ever? I like music to surf. No, I haven't. Well, I did when I was living. I came from Perth. (laughs) And so back when I was a little uh, young kid, everyone surfed. It just was the way it happened. But nobody had boards because it was Uh, too early for that. Every board was the size of a house. Exactly, a Malibu or something, wasn't mm. it? Did yes. you? I think everyone. Uh, my brother's a, one of the biggest surfers of all time. Also, he'll tell everyone. Uh, and he used to go to. Is it Margaret River where the surfers yeah, yeah. go in Perth? Oh, that's not all that happens in Margaret River. I mean, it's got you know that's possibly the best Australian wine area. It's so beautiful there, and lots of great wineries. But they do surf there as well. Now, the last time I saw you, you were riding down a main street in Melbourne on the back of a truck singing Long Way to the Top. Oh, dear. It looked like it was a bit of fun. No, oh, it was, well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it didn't turn out to be fun, but the whole idea and principle of it, and indeed the bits before and after were all fun, it was just that the weather turned and, you know, bit us in the, in the leg, and it was a bit rough on the truck, I've got to tell you. It was very <laughs> cold, and... and all I can remember is is JVY standing next to me and he's looking up because he looks up at everybody. He's looking up <laughs> at me, even me, and he's looking up at me and he's going, I can see the gaps looking at my hair because it was now it's all wet, right? And he's going, I can see the gaps. I can see the gaps. I tell you, <laughs> don't help. Don't do this to me. Gee, he would have been cold. He was in a dress. No, he wasn't. He was in a a, um, a kilt. Have a dress is good. No, he was in a dress. John Paul Young in a dress. I call my cat John Paul Young because every time I see it, it squeaks at me. That's that's very good, and a, and a very subtle one for our audience because not that many people would know, I suppose, that that's your nickname. Yes. Well, if you watch Countdown, I think you probably would know oh, that you he was squeak. Although I think the neighbours think I'm a bit odd when I go out there and, and go, John Paul Young, John Paul Young, <laughs> if he's in trouble, you know, that sort of thing. That's right. Uh, well, it looked like it was a lot of fun, even though it might have been a, a cold and you had the girls on the bagpipes. Yeah, that cheers right up. That, that, that made it significantly warmer for the entire, for the entire time. And for, right. for the ladies, we had a bit of eye candy with you and uh, good old John Stevens. Gee, he's good, yeah, isn't he? He's fantastic. And having those extra, you know, 80s guys, it's just such a thrill for us because, you know, that's an era that we look at very fondly because it was still, you know, massive rock and roll, Australian rock and roll bands during that period and uh, indeed all around the world. But during, during that period, we had, you know, the Angels and, and uh, Noiseworks and My Sex and, and Ice House and all those really yeah. gorgeous bands. And, and, and that's a very special period, I think, in Australian music. When I was starting out, the people I look back at <coughs> In, in terms of inspiration were, uh, oh, this is going to really age me, but, but Gene Pitney and, and Buddy Holly and people like that and the Beverly Brothers, in terms of songwriters, yes. they were the generation before us. And, you know, most of the sort of beginning pangs of writing sort of happened as a result of falling in love with their albums and their singles. So I guess it sort of goes on a bit endlessly. So, you know, the guys that are and gals that are now in acts in the 90s and now probably look back to someone <laughs> like Noiseworks and go, you know what, we want to make records like them. You know, So 
think it just goes on endlessly. The funny thing about it, or the, or the cool thing about it, is that years and years ago, and I'm going to, I'll just do this one little name drop, and then I'll kill myself sure. with with, uh, with a bloodied sword. But years and years ago, I was lucky enough to be surprised one night in the studio by uh, Leon Russell. We were rehearsing, and he turned up in town. He was in Melbourne for some reason, and turned up. And we and we were playing, and he just sort of joined in playing with us. We were rehearsing or something. And at the end of it, he, he sort of standing next to me, and he looked over and he said, "Well, I guess we went to different schools together." <laughs> I thought, "Wow, that's such a neat way of putting it." Because even though all of us have our own particular musical path and our own, you know, map of the area, if you like, in actual fact, we all have very, very similar experiences. Both good and bad, you know, and yes. it hurts it hurts people in this generation just as badly as it hurt us hurt us when a record would come out that they loved and it wouldn't get any airplay or it wouldn't be a hit or they'd written a great song and nobody liked it but them and they went on the stage one night and put on a great show and nobody seemed to go for it. All of those sorts of things have been the same since time immemorial. I just Maybe Sinatra had all the same feelings as well. Well, he would have done because he would have gone, this is fantastic, and then he's gone, this throwaway song over here, and that's the one everyone's uh, dining out on for 30 years. And you think, I have no idea why that happened. Is that a good thing? Is that part of the, uh, I don't know, excitement, adrenaline, building stuff when you you don't know what's going to happen when you have a new album? Oh, absolutely. You have to remember, though, that, uh, the great majority of us tend to think of the, the the creative process in several parts. So the first part of it is the if you have the right for you, you know, your project or your band or you or whatever. The first part of it is whether whether or not the song is written successfully. And there's a really big, really lovely bit when that happens, you know, when you sort of come and you play it back and you go, yep, that all works, all the bits are good. I'm loving it. I love that. And then when you go in the studio and you make a recording of it, then there's another whole big milestone there when you press play and you play back the finished mix and you think, yep, that record worked. So two out of two. But it's, so then the third one is the one where you see it in the charts or see it, hear it on the radio, and that's the third part. But if if the third part doesn't actually happen you know, to the extent that it might, you still do have an enormous sense of satisfaction in the writing and recording and stuff. We're very lucky in that sense. Yes, and I can understand that because you would say, I've I've made this, this is what it's all about, and we've been successful in what we wanted to achieve with it, and hopefully people will like it, but if they don't, we've been successful at our end. <laughs> yeah, we've done as good as we can do, and if you know the vagaries of audiences or the industry don't suit then there's not much you can do about it. And, and, you know, I say that to a lot of young kids, you know, and talking to them, and they say, oh, you know, we, we really work so hard on our new EP and we just love everything about it and it's all gorgeous. And they really sank without a trace. And, and you've got to say to them, look, you know, you achieved so much just by writing those five songs and getting them recorded successfully. Well, it's that a- was a big thing to do that, much less sell it. Well, writing a song's pretty hard. What do you say to somebody who says, I want to write songs, teach me how? It's, a, it's virtually impossible. All you can do, and, and I, 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 when I say I teach, I really just do like master classes at unis and things. And a lot of those people are already a long way away, a long way along the process. 
But if I run into people who are just sort of starting, then I got to tell them right up, right off the bat that there's a way to write a song so that it will be understood by an audience. And there, you know, and there's a lot of ways to write a song which will confuse an audience. And so constantly, a writer has to keep referring back to the to the common point, back to the you know, if you like, the, the, the point that's going to connect with an audience. And it has to be uppermost in your mind all the time. Otherwise, it's quite rare that a song that only appeals to you, or the drummer worse, if it only appeals to you or the drummer, the chances of that actually appealing to the masses isn't necessarily that good. It has to be something that they can take on board, you know, whether they take on board the melody and they love singing it, when they're driving in their car or when they take along, they'll take on board the lyrics and the lyrics mean something to them when they're holding their baby at the drive-in or whether they, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. They, you have to connect with them on all these levels. And songwriters do tend to, when they start, they do tend to kind of, you know, just head off with the song, not really worrying about whether it's that commercial. But, you know, so you can write a very serious, I mean, things like, Tucker's Daughter is a magical song. That's a fantastic song. And it's and it's not necessarily um, songwriting 101. When you look at it construction-wise, you to break it down. It doesn't sort of fit all the normal rules. But it's got that massive chorus that everyone learns instantly. And that's what I'm saying. Regardless of, of what he meant in the song, which is a bit obtuse, what he meant in the song and where he headed with it musically, he had the the taste and the and the and the if you like the nous to make sure that that chorus connected with everybody that heard it. You are the absolute best, Brian Cad, and thanks so much for spending your Chrissy morning with us. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Thanks, darling. Thanks, darling.